Ian lives in Northern England and has been called the coolest wedding photographer in the world, even while he continues to protest that he's not a wedding photographer at all. His photographs are recognized by their candid documentary style. He has shot more than 150 weddings in the UK and abroad. In 2019, Ian had a solo exhibition at the Martin Parr Foundation in Bristol, where his work is also now held in the permanent collection. This show was the first exhibition of wedding photography in a fine art gallery in the UK. It also coincided with the publication of his monograph entitled I Am Not a Wedding Photographer. His photography has been featured in numerous publications and websites worldwide, including BBC World News, CNN, The Guardian, and more. And he is also the host of Outer Focus Podcast, which explores the work of other photographers across all different fields of the genre. Welcome to the show, Ian. Um, thank you very much for having me. I'm so glad you could be here. And I want to let you know you're my first international interview. So very exciting. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I hope I can live up to the expectation, <laughs> if there is any. So I thought we could start by talking about your dog, Schopenhauer. <laughs> right, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, Arthur Schopenhauer. It's actually Arthur Fonzarelli. On your yeah. bio, yeah, it said uh, Schopenhauer. <laughs> well, I know. It, it, it all fitted in with what it is I was trying to say. <laughs> so maybe you can tell our listeners a little bit about uh, what was behind that. Well, the naming of the dog was Arthur, just Arthur Fonzarelli. Uh, oh. I think it was just it was just Arthur. He is a um, he's a bearded collie, uh, which is kind of a long haired uh, sheep dog. Uh, I don't know. Arthur just seemed like a cool name, and then he grew into Arthur Fonzarelli, um, and then uh, Arthur Schopenhauer. So. Well, and what, from what I read, you said that um, Schopenhauer was a German philosopher who wasn't a big fan of marriage, um, which right. is ironic based upon your uh, subject matter. <laughs> right. No, absolutely. Well, there's a, there, there is um, there's a quote in there, too. Um, I mean, it, 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 it just kind of fits in. I think it sums up a little bit um, about what it is that I was trying to do with weddings, I think, or what weddings became, really. Um and what was the quote? Oh, there I have is... it right here. Yeah, to marry. Oh, is... do you? Which one? Yeah, which one? it's uh, to marry is to have your rights and double your duties. <laughs> right. Yes, he said that. Indeed. <laughs> and then another quote I found of his was, "To live alone is the fate of all great souls." Right. Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> indeed. I mean, it's inter I'm interested in philosophy as well, and it it, it all kind of linked in with um, obviously what I was trying to say. And I think the most uh, prominent part of I am. Um, that kind of philosophy is um, the, the Schopenhauer said that uh, the problem is not so much to see what nobody has yet seen as to think what nobody has yet thought concerning that which everybody sees. Yeah. And that to me, well, that's a great quote. And it's a great way to, um, I, I suppose, approach things, isn't it? For sure. Definitely. And I mean, that's just about your evolution as a photographer, obviously. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Indeed. Yeah. Or it's, I mean, weddings have always been there. Right. Um, but um, I think when it's come down, it's a little bit, it's commercial photography, really. Um, and it's normally to, uh, uh, I'm just trying to look at it in a different way. Or I did try and look at it in a different way. I did look at it in a different way or approach it in a different way. Um, and I think that is that um, thing what nobody has yet thought concerning which everybody sees. And I think all, I'm not saying that what I've done is great, but like great things come from that. Right. For sure. I think what you've done is great. So well, that's one person's opinion. <laughs> well, thank you very much. <laughs> um, 
Uh, well, just going back a little bit, we'll talk about your background a bit, but I just wanted to mention that part mm-hmm. of why I wanted to interview you is just the happiness of your subject matter during these crazy times. So I, I think it's it brings some joy into people's lives probably to to look at your photographs because they, they're just mm-hmm. so fun mm-hmm. and um, just capture wonderful moments. So Yeah, um, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. Um, so maybe just a little background about you. Do you think you were creative as a child at all or was it kind of something that came later in life? Um, yes, I mean, I had a bit of a, um, shall we say it for want of a better phrase, troubled um, childhood. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, but no, I think always creative and always um, questioning, I think, uh, which tended to get me into um, a lot of trouble. Um, but always, and I always was interested in drawing and uh, music and things just kind of get in the way of, I suppose that exploration, that exploration of the arts, and it didn't really come back to me until 30 years old, maybe, which was Mm. 16 years ago. Um, But I'm glad um, it did come back to me, or I went back to it um, in a way. But it wasn't for any real creative um, outlet, I don't think. I don't think I was trying to do that at the time when I went back to it. And I think I was, first of all, I was looking for change um, because I'd done a whole host of other jobs from leaving school and joining the army and being a salesman and being a truck driver. And a mil- a milkman. Re- don't forget about milk- the milkman. <laughs> milkman, <laughs> a block paving salesman, double yep. glazing salesman. I could go on. There are quite a few. Um, so there is, uh, yeah, I went back to it because I was, I think I jumped around so much because I was bored. I got mm-hmm. bored with things very quickly. Um, needed something else, but not really understanding what that was and, Going to photography, I think, was more a case of, hey, I'll kind of look cool if I'm a photographer. Maybe I should try that. And I, I was exposed to it a little bit when I was younger um, and thought that, well, if I can have a go of it, go of that, I will. In the first few years were just, it, it was a commercial venture before I really understood what photography was and what photography could be. And did you ever take classes in it or were you self-taught primarily? Yeah, well, I did. It was supposed to be a two-year um, degree course. And I think I left after about a year to 18 months um, because I thought I knew it all, obviously. And um, I had opened a studio uh, and I was a portrait and fine art photographer. I have, I to, no I have to bring up your quote about that in your bio. He said he opened a moderately unsuccessful portrait <laughs> studio <laughs> and the photos were kind of okay, in quotation marks. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, people thought the first, and they were kind of okay. They, they were there to do a job, but well, using that—that's what it became again. It became a job because there was no, it wasn't a creative outlet. It was, um, it, as I say, it was a commercial venture, and um, I thought that if I could emulate successful studios, then hey, I can make some money too. And yeah, I, I again, I got bored of that because that became a job, right? And then you also lectured at a local college. You lectured photography history. Yeah. Yeah, photography, history, and taught um, beginner photography. Um, I've also taught photography uh, from beginner and project-based development um, uh, academically and privately. So, um, yeah, it's uh, it's a kind of, it's a rewarding thing if you get it right. Um, I stopped lecturing at the college because it didn't really fit with how I thought I don't know, we should teach photography or approach photography. Um, and I stopped doing it privately uh, maybe two years ago because I still quite haven't figured out how to do it to give people the, get, for people to get the most out of it, uh-huh. if that makes sense. And I'm not really, I don't have any answers. So I'm not like, I will show you how to do this and th- this will 
make you a great photographer. It's more a case of here's some history. This is how the tools work. Now go and make your own mind up. But how, I, I'm not quite sure how to do that in a way that's engaging because as soon as people see the, hear the history part, they're not really interested. They just want to know how it works. Where's the magic button? And yeah, it's it, it's an odd one. It's something that I enjoy doing, but it's something that I find hard to do in a way that I feel is meaningful. Mm-hmm. And right, right now, are you? I mean, we'll talk about this a little more later. But during the COVID times, I mean, I assume you're not able to shoot any weddings right now. I'm not able to shoot any yeah. weddings. So Everything that I, um, uh, everyone's been postponed until next year. Mm-hmm. A couple have cancelled. Most postponed. Um, there's no commercial work. Um, I'm finding it difficult with personal projects um, to carry on with what I already have, mm-hmm. uh, but also to try and find what I should be doing now. This is, it's an unprecedented time, isn't it? We, yeah. Like, we don't really know. And that's, I'm finding that, that's a bit of a, a struggle as well at the moment. Yeah, it's a very difficult time. So maybe you're, I mean, I'm just thinking with, um, you know, the situation, maybe you're going to find a new avenue just based upon the fact that you can't shoot what you normally shoot, obviously. Maybe that, that could well, uh, that could well happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and always, I don't, I think, Every cloud has a silver lining and this, um, the pandemic has given me time to step back from everything and think about what it is that I'm doing and why I'm doing it. And we don't often get a chance to do that um, as jobbing photographers, as working photographers, because it's just one job to the next. And um, we don't really get time to consider the why, if that makes sense. Yeah. Well, I was also thinking since you have your podcast, you're very busy with that. You have an outer focus podcast, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. is where you interview mm-hmm. other photographers. So at least mm-hmm. that's a good project to have during um, these times, obviously. Um, well, that was a good project to have. Again, it's, I, I've had time to work on that and have time to think about what it is that I'm doing with the podcast. And um, I've had to take a little bit of a step back from that too, because just previously it's plowing ahead. Um, and when I've had time to actually work on it and think about it, I don't know. It's it's a funny time. I need time to breathe mm-hmm. and get away from it to think about how to move forward with it. Mm-hmm. And it's, yeah, we don't often get a chance to do that. That's true. Definitely. Well, I thought we could just talk a little specifically just about your wedding photography in general. Mm-hmm. Um, I like that you describe your approach as photographic democracy. So maybe yes. you could talk a little bit about that. Um, well, approaching it in a way that uh, everything's a photograph or everything is a potential photograph. And I'm not, when I'm photographing, when I'm photographing anything, I'm not looking for uh, hero shots, shall we call them. Mm-hmm. Um, this is the kind of photograph that is I'm going to help me promote myself. And this is the kind of photograph that um, I can sell. It's more a case of responding to um, the situation that I'm working in and um so everything's a potential photograph, mm-hmm. which means everything is the same. So, like, I don't know, doorknobs are the same as hugs. And on uh, on a on a wedding day, I think all those things are important to the bride and groom. And wedding photography, I think, just goes for the, I suppose, expected shots or what's expected from the client, what's expected from the industry. Um, and things seem to be more important than others. And I, I don't really think that way about it. Uh-huh. And I know, I mean, you mainly do, obviously, the candid documentary type shots. Do you also take some of the mm-hmm. more traditional shots or is that not really yeah. something people, your clients want? Well, they don't want, <laughs> they don't want every combination of family member and guest, <laughs> uh, right. which 
Yeah, and obviously I don't promote myself in that way, so they're not going to expect that right. from me. Right. But if I'm there, I understand that people have travelled, I don't know, for, people can travel from all over the world, they're meeting in one place, and they may never see each other again. And uh, sometimes people want a picture of themselves stood beside somebody else. Uh-huh. So, And I'm there with a the camera. I'm not going to say no. Right, right. <laughs> but it's, it's all part of the document of the day, is that? And, and, and going back to the, the photographic democracy, that's no less important to um, the couple or the people in the photograph than anything else is on that day. So, mm-hmm. I, I, and it's all part of the document too. And I've started to, I don't know, I've started to enjoy those group shots a little more. Oh. I like the awkwardness of them. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, do you have a favourite photograph from all of your photography of weddings? Oh, I mean, that would be difficult Yeah, uh, because there are, I mean, there are so many great moments. Um, I don't know. There's the old lady with the hairdryer. Yeah, that's... that one's great. I love that. I love yeah. the one with the I mean... couple making out um, in back of the bride at the, <laughs> at the table. That one's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, they are. The, and there are probably photographs that I already have that I, I, I don't know. I haven't quite seen yet. Uh-huh. Uh, that may be great ones, but yeah, I mean, them two definitely stand out. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, well, we had an exhibition of those photographs and there was 47 in total. So at least I know I've got at least 47 good pictures. Oh, for sure. And was, <laughs> and that was at the Martin Parr Foundation in, that was in Bristol. It um, certainly was, yeah. Yeah, I wanted to talk a little bit about that. So um, mm. just first of all, how did that come about? How did that show come about? Um, Martin was speaking at a photography conference in Barcelona and um, I, I, I don't think what happened is he didn't realize until he got there that it was predominantly wedding photography, so it was a wedding photography conference. Oh. And so he showed work that he'd shot at weddings um, and spoke to uh, other photographers about uh, having more of a personal approach to weddings like, and like your relationship to it rather than an industry standard and maybe start looking at it as a project. And apparently a few people had said, um, have you seen Ian Weldon's wedding photography? And he went away and looked at it and then sent me an email the next day saying that he liked it very much. Wow. Which is pretty amazing, consider it was Martin. (laughs) Yeah, that is. Yeah, and just for our listeners, he was a member of, or has been a member of Magnum Photos and he's had... 40 photo books published and been featured in 80 exhibitions. Um, oh, right. He's, had, he's published. Yeah, he's published over 100. Books, oh, over 100? Right? Okay. According to what yeah. I researched, that's what I, that's what I found oh, on the right, internet. Okay. But I'll, I'll go okay, with your okay. word. <laughs> right, yeah. yeah. Um, but, it's, uh, but no, I mean, Martin was a big inspiration. Well, I, I suppose, as I mentioned earlier, with photography, when I first started, I didn't really know what I was doing. and I didn't understand um, what photography could be. And... Once I started to become more interested in a little bit of photography history and documentary photography, uh, Martin um, came up a lot. And his work, maybe 10 years ago, 12 years ago, um, along with other photographers, um, really kind of showed me what photography um, could be and what I could do with photography. And um, for him to recognize what I'm doing all this time later, I'd say, yeah, that's cool. That's kind of a nice, yeah, it's a kind of circular thing. It's really nice. For sure, and, and who are some other other of the photographers that did inspire you, or that? Um... Oh, I mean, at the time, there there were quite a few photographers like Mark Cohen, and obviously Cartier-Bresson, mm-hmm. and 
I don't know, Don McCullen, Mark Rabord, Fred Herzog. Um, there's a whole long list of photographers, really, uh, through all different kind of styles uh, that I, I had an interest in. I'm not so bothered about other photographers now because I feel like I've <laughs> I've taken what I can from it. If mm-hmm. that makes sense. Yeah, for sure. You know, the, I'm a, I think there's a quote by Chuck Close that says, uh, inspiration is for amateurs. <laughs> And I, 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 kind of, I didn't understand it until maybe a year or two ago, but I kind of get it. I'm, I, I think I know what I'm doing now. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so I can go and do it. Yeah. yeah. And your show was last year in, in, the, fall, in the summer, actually, in 2019. Yes, it was. Yeah. That was nice. I'm glad it was last year and not this year. <laughs> for sure. Did you have a good showing yeah. at the show? A lot yeah, of it was people? amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Lots of people. Um, it was, uh, yeah, it was, it was quite surreal um, with it being uh, Martin's gallery. I mean, obviously, obviously I've got to know Martin uh, over the last couple of years and uh, become friends, but it was odd, especially for the exhibition when there were other, like Martin was, as, as you mentioned, a member of Magnum Photos, which is, um, I suppose, the pinnacle of photojournal photo ex- excellence. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, he was the president of Magnum Photos. And then you have David Hearn, um, who also a Magnum, a, a, a very early member of uh, Magnum Photographs. He was there taking pictures and it's kind of, yeah, the, and other photographers and lots of people all coming to see work, photographs that I'd made at weddings. Yeah, it's incredible. Bizarre. And yeah. then they also, um, the, you had a book that was published at the same time. Was the book at the show? The I'm yes. Not a Wedding Photographer? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then I was trying to actually, I wanted to buy your book, but I went to your website and it sold out. So are you going to print more of that or is that? Um, I don't think so. No, I, I missed my chance. So. I think you have. <laughs> <laughs> you might be able to. Um, I, don't, I think the Martin Parr Foundation still had few left i don't know whether they've gone but i know there are uh, i'm maybe i've got a few yeah. uh, but they're mine that i'm going to keep for a while <laughs> but uh, make me an offer we'll see okay. yeah um and then in terms of just uh i had read on your website that you were gonna you know try to find more commercial work to support support mm-hmm. your personal projects so have, mm-hmm. you, have mm-hmm. you found that or have you found that niche that you can do for commercial um, work? well i mean like what i do is what i do and mm-hmm. it, it, it's I think that I've, I don't know, I've, I've built the pyramid the right way up mm-hmm. because once we get into um, the commercial world, people are contacting me to shoot how I do for them. Right. Uh, which is, I think, well, that's a goal for us all, is it not? For sure. If we can be paid to do what we do. Yeah. Um, and I think that all of the all of the press and exposure that came from uh, the exhibition um really put the work or what I do or the style of what I do, if we want to call it a style, um, in front of the eyes of a lot of people, including um, art directors and um, ad agencies and things like that. So, I mean, yeah, there's, there have been a couple. There were there were a couple more uh, that were going to go this year, but obviously we can't. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, it, it's interesting that uh, we talked about what would happen as far as the promotion was concerned from the exhibition and... Um, we thought that the phone would be ringing off the hook for weddings and mm-hmm. it just hasn't. Mm-hmm. It's been more of the commercial work. It's been more on the commercial side, which is kind of, which I'm happy about. Yeah. Um, I think that, I, well, I first started shooting weddings really to make money to work on other projects, mm-hmm. but now weddings has now afforded me to do that because it's ex- 
It's given me the exposure to work on commercial work, which pays better than weddings. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And that can now allow me to um, work. That, I don't know, pursue other projects and work on uh, what I want to. And with your, your commercial work, are you um, being you know, sought after by people you know, in abroad, like in the U.S. and other parts of Europe? It's not solely the um, U.K., I imagine, but... Um, not... Um, yeah, there have been a couple of things that haven't come off, but yeah, I mean, uh, the opportunities um, are there. We pre uh, recently we've done um, uh, Huawei mobile phones. Mm-hmm. Um, shot a wedding on um, the I can't remember the model now. To be fair, I think it's it was so Huawei. Long- <laughs> I don't know how to pronounce it, but H U A W E I. Yeah, Huawei. Huawei. The P thirty P thirty. Pro, I think it was. So we um, obviously um, we shot a wedding on there for um, a campaign for and them. You, you and shot stills and and video. No, no, we. Um, I just did the stills oh, and okay. um, the video was. Who did the video? All oh, right, the video was uh, organised by the agency, the ad agency. So yeah, um, but and, I just did the stills. Yeah, and then in terms, it was of, a challenge. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure it was. Um, but how was the quality when you? Uh, I'm sure you looked at the prints from there, but how was the quality? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, great. It was, I probably took um, a lot more photographs than I normally do just to make sure that I got it. Um, but when we, once we get into things like that, it's not just me with a mobile phone. Right. You know, we kind of, we have like the whole agency, like DMB, um, who is the agency that represents me, uh, did all the production for that. Mm-hmm. So they did, uh, they spoke to everybody and made sure everybody knew what was happening and made sure that we could light where we needed the light um, and generally make things run smoothly. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, um, could you do it with just a mobile? Yeah, you probably could do it with just a mobile phone. Um, but obviously we had a client to please as well as the couple. So it's a bigger production, you know. Yeah, I was, uh, related to that, I was going to ask what your camera, what camera you use when you're shooting your wedding photography. Oh dear, um, a Fuji. It's a Fuji X Pro. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's a two. I did break one, and I nearly bought the three, but I didn't. I bought the X Pro two. So yeah, but they're just tools. I don't really care for them too much. Uh huh. Um, <laughs> they do. They do the job. Yeah. Um, so and normally I shoot with a. I don't, there's a smaller camera, there's a smaller Fuji camera that I use as well, like a little point and shoot called the X100. But again, I'm not 100% sure which model that is. But yeah, small Fuji cameras, and I can get in close and I can, yeah. And then in terms of where, where you've shot, have you shot at weddings in the US for clients? Yes. You have? Yes. Yeah. Um, I shot, oh God, I was supposed to be in um, the US twice this year. I just, I was supposed to be San Diego. That was last month. Uh-huh. Um, and then I was supposed to be in Delaware the month before that. Uh, last year, I was in Los Angeles, or two years ago, Los Angeles. Um, there's a guy, do you know, the, there is a program called The Walking Dead. Oh, yeah. Whether you're yeah. familiar with it. Yeah, definitely. Uh, um, the guy who or used to play um, Glenn Ree, Stephen Young. Very cool. That's awesome. Yeah, we shot his wedding in Los Angeles a couple of years ago, which is nice. Yeah, and I'm sure I was there last year. I travelled quite a bit. I was in New York in December. Nice. So, yeah, I get about. I can't think that's what That's I'm great. Um, and then I, I was hoping we could talk about some of your other projects. Um, so you've mm-hmm. done a whole series on bodybuilders. All right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, it's, I think that's an interesting, um, like, subculture. And 
I was doing some work on working men's clubs in the north of England. And well, can we go back one second? Can you maybe explain what uh, those are to, to our oh, audience? Because so, we don't have that term. Ah, work, right, working okay. men's clubs. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a working men's club. So um, when we had uh, pits and we had pit villages and this is just a very I'm just touching the corners of what working men's clubs are. But here, um, pit villages, coal mining. Uh, the Working Men's Club was basically the community hub. It was where the men drank. It was where the women got together. Uh, they would have Sunday schools on the weekend for children. It was a real community-driven um, thing. And these uh, Working Men's Clubs are... I kind of grew up around them a little bit. And they're just dying out, uh, gentrification. And uh, people just aren't going to the Working Men's Club anymore because you can buy uh, alcohol as inexpensive in most pubs these days uh, so they're under a lot of uh, pressure and I just thought it was um, I don't know a good idea to get in and uh, get a bit of a document of that of our time before they start to go away and on the back of that I was talking to a guy who mentioned he was training his girlfriend for her first bodybuilding competition and when I asked him where it was he mentioned it was in a working men's club and I thought well I really have to get in and photograph that that sounds amazing yeah um and then how about just in terms of upcoming projects i know we talked about just your your you've been kind of delayed by by covid but do you have any sort of um other you know genres or not genres but uh subjects yeah subjects thank you i mean there are um there's there's always something really um and i have kind of notes and lists and something might just pop into my head for an idea uh but all of that has been um, we can't really do anything with that at the moment. Right. Um, but, I mean, uh, moving forward, there will definitely be more working men's clubs there as festivals mm-hmm. um, in the north of England. Um, th- one kind of tends to lead into um, another thing I'll get. Uh, so from the working men's clubs came the bodybuilding and then uh, 50s rock and roll dancing and line dancing and country music and uh, pigeon racing. I was doing some things on. Oh, I haven't seen that um, yet. <laughs> uh, pigeon racing pigeon racing that is it's wild. all and there are all these kind of subcultures and um, interests that people have and especially with the dancing i think when people aren't at work um at the checkout or sitting behind a computer crunching numbers or wh- whatever it is people do in normal jobs they go out on an evening and dress up like it's the 50s and dance until two o'clock in the morning yeah yeah we have it's that amazing. here that's pretty popular here as well Right. Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, anything like that, that people, use, like hobbies or escapes, right, that's, that's kind of what I'm interested in. Yeah. Uh, which is my hobby that I'm interested in that. Mm-hmm. Um, but things coming up, I don't know. Like this, yeah, there's a lot. I'm in communities around Newcastle because we have a lot of different uh, communities uh, up here in the north of England, like Jewish and Romanian and um, Indian and Chinese and uh, African, uh, all living in quite close quarters really mm-hmm. um, so I'm interested in getting started on um, some of that once we get moving again um, yeah and then but yeah. just just back to Newcastle since I've never been there but is there much of a scene, art scene or gallery scene or anything there it sounds like a, is it a fairly small town it's, um, it's a pretty small city mm-hmm. it's, um, we have quite a prominent uh, photography gallery the, we, it's, it's okay mm-hmm. we have the Baltic Centre for Art um, there is uh, the side gallery, which is a pretty well-known photography gallery. Um, I think that up in the north of England here, things are getting better. Things are becoming more and more diverse. Um, and, yeah, it takes a while to catch up, for us to catch up with 
kind of the south of the country. Yeah, and then do you get down down to London much to see art shows and whatnot when during non-COVID yeah, yeah, times? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah as often, I mean, yeah, as often as possible. It's nice to get down there to the photographer's gallery. And uh, I mean, I travel quite a lot anyway. So uh, wherever I am, I always try to go and um, see something, which is nice. And it's nice to have that opportunity. Yeah. I think that that's, that's something that I've really noticed over the last um, three or four months that I feel really grounded mm-hmm. um, and somewhat claustrophobic, you know, because uh, I'm usually out and uh, in an airport or I'm going somewhere or I'm shooting something. And um, this is the longest period of time I've been through that that hasn't quite, yeah. that nothing's, you know, nothing's happening. Right. And, and there is no end in sight. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I'm thinking out loud, but maybe you can take a boat somewhere. <laughs> that might be a little bit safer than the airplane. Who knows? But maybe you can travel <laughs> to parts of Europe on a boat, and maybe that'll be the way to do it. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> but I, I, I will definitely, once uh, we're allowed to travel again, I will definitely be um, making as much use of that as possible, taking advantage of it as much as possible. Definitely. And then I was hoping we could talk a little bit about your podcast. So it's called Outer Focus. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. how did that um, come about? Or um god how long has that been going now two two and a bit years um it started as i would have conversations with photographers and talk about photography history photography history for me was the main part in understanding what photography was and um sort of my place within photography and um it it helped me to understand that uh, we are all part of photography history now and what are we going to do with that and when i talked to other photographers didn't seem to not that they just didn't understand it, it's just they didn't really want to or didn't really see the need to understand it. Uh, so I thought that I would put the podcast together to, uh, it started off as, it was supposed to be a 20-minute thing, an introduction to a photographer and a little bit of a chat with a photographer, or in, introduction to a photographer from the history of photography and then a bit of a chat with um, a contemporary photographer about their relationship to history, the photographer that we uh, were discussing. Uh, but that kind of turned into an hour-long thing, and then it was an hour and a half, and it just sort of rattled on in these these big long-form conversations. And, yeah, I mean, that's how it got started, just to have these conversations. And not to – I don't – I wasn't thinking about it as an educational platform, mm-hmm. but just something that people could easily access to, listen to viewpoints. And I don't, maybe the philosophy of photography and ideas rather than constantly talking about uh, cameras and lenses and megapixels and sensors and new cameras with extra buttons and it's the, the madness of the photography industry mm-hmm. and try to kind of focus on the idea a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, and then you just re- reached 60 episodes, so congratulations. We did just reach 60 episodes. That's amazing. That's Thank very you. impressive. Yeah, it's been hard work. It's been hard work yeah, believe me. Believe me I, I know. Um, I can relate. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know what it's like to kind of to pin people down to. It is. Um, you've got a life. They've got lives. Right. Um, and then all the research. you got to really know you know, about their background. And the and, yeah, their and then there's the recording and then there's the editing and yep. then there's the promoting. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a time-consuming thing. And I think what happened uh, before um, COVID-19, um, I, I was getting to a point where I was too busy to do it. Yeah. And it was, getting, it was kind of getting in the way. And I was like, right, I'm just going to reduce it to a podcast a month. Uh, but then that was becoming a little um, stressful. It sort of fell by the wayside. Yeah. And then... COVID-19 came along I can't go anywhere and do anything I thought I would focus my attention onto the um onto the podcast yeah 
I found and that maybe, very helpful uh, now too, just because, you know, people generally that you're trying to reach, yeah, they're, they're super busy during non-COVID. So that's been beneficial yeah, yeah. to the podcast world that we now <laughs> have people available. Yeah, 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 absolutely. But I think me putting maybe two months of hard work into um, the podcast made me realize that this might not be what it is they want to be doing or seeing. Uh-huh. And again, we go back to uh, what I was saying earlier, the time I've had to think about what it is that I'm doing. And I don't know, what what am I doing as um, an artist, first of all, and what it is, what, what do I have to say? Mm-hmm. And I think there has to be um, a certain amount of meaning and understanding to what it is that I do. And I feel the podcast was just kind of rolling along or sailing along rudderless, uh-huh. if that makes sense. Yeah. And so I, I, I want to really pull back from the recordings a little bit to think about, I don't know, like what it is that I can do rather than just having the recordings and having the conversations, what more can I do and how much, how many more people can it reach if indeed I do want to go on with the podcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's thinking about, yeah, it's benefit. I want, to, I, want, I want to understand the benefit of the podcast. Yeah. And I think maybe you're um, minimizing it because I think, I mean, I don't know, but I imagine there are plenty of people who really enjoy your podcast. So I, I would say, mm. um, you know, I think it's hard as the person who's producing it to have a sense of how meaningful it is for the listeners, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I would think it has a, a great deal of value for people interested in, in photography, obviously. Mm-hmm. Indeed. Uh, but then I have to think about whether it's good for me to keep doing right. it. Right. Yeah, no, I understand what you're saying. So, yeah, for sure. yeah, yeah. Like yeah, for me too, yeah. like I interview artists and I, I do art on the side, but then when I'm mm-hmm. interviewing people, I think, oh, I, I really want to be the one making art right now. So it's, I, I totally understand what you're talking about. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that, that kind of mindset and that thinking about what it is that I'm doing and why I'm doing it is fed into, uh, because I'm not out photographing uh, in the way that I normally I'm, um, I've had time to think about what I want to do with that. So, I mean, if I want to really have something to say with the podcast, I should first really understand what it is that I have to say with uh, my photography and my art, really. Definitely. Um, and then you also have on your website, your Out of Focus website, um, a blog. So that's time-consuming mm-hmm. as well, I imagine. That is time-consuming <laughs> as well. Do you know what, to be fair, Sharon, what happened is once all of, all of this happened, I thought, if I can put the wheels in motion and get things going and get a few other people on board, yeah, um, then it will hopefully start to run itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as I started doing that, it just became more and more work. I think you need some. Um, I think you need some assistance or interns. That's what I'm thinking of getting. I, I need some help too. So. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But that's kind of what happened. So I, I think in that um, that growth spurt, I realised it was to actually expand. It would need a lot more work that I was putting into it now, and I just don't have, and I don't. I don't want to go ahead and do that without understanding what it is that I want that I want to do. Yeah. No, that totally makes sense. Mm. Uh, I was going to mention on your website as well, you have a library of photo books, which I love. It's mm-hmm. a, an amazing mm-hmm. collection and, yep. and you direct people to where they can purchase the books, which is wonderful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, to me, it seems like you really live and breathe photography, which which I love. It's... Yes. Yeah. I, yes, I do. But it's, 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 it's easy to get kind of carried away with all of that. Mm hmm. Um, so, I, I, I mean, I keep coming back to it, but this is why I'm stepping back from it a little bit at the moment to figure out how to um, move forward correctly, if at all, if at all. Yeah. Well, that makes sense. I think that just I think that's happening for everyone during this time. Everyone's mm-hmm. reassessing mm-hmm. their lives and what's important. And um, yeah. And I mean, I see it as a positive, frankly. Yeah, um, that's certainly, just, certainly. It's, it's a rare thing to be given all this time. 
Yes. All of us. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Indeed. Yeah. Indeed it is. Well, I think that's all I have for today, but I wanted to let people know um, they can follow you on Instagram on both at Ian J. Weldon and at Outer yes. Focus Podcast. And then your websites mm-hmm. are ianweldon.com and outerfocuspodcast.com. So yep. thanks so much for joining me. I really enjoyed talking to you today and good luck with everything. Okay. You are very welcome. Thank you very much. Okay. Take care, Ian. Cheers, Sharon. Please subscribe to the Living Artist Podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts. Feel free to review the podcast and share it so that I can get more listeners and establish a larger Living Artist community.